You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize. Hello, and thanks for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. Recording live from the offices of the Special Assistant to the Chancellor and Adjunct Professor, I'm your old pal Sanders. And I'm your good buddy Lou. If you're keeping score at home, this is episode 62, the Bracket Buster Edition. Happy uh, March Madness, Livy. Yeah, happy March Madness to you as well. Um, it's not off to a good start for your old pal. I am uh, currently sitting in last place in the or 11th place next to last place in the annual DeSantis family march madness bracket tournament pool so i didn't even look at where i stand in a pool because everything was so egregiously bad and i knew i did horrible i'm like i don't care i don't even care about the pools to begin with you know i think basically every year i waste 50 bucks 20 on your pool i mean 20 on the pool with my buddies down here 20 on a pool with sean reardon actually i guess it's 70 this year because I put 20, it's up to 70 because I did that pool last year, the one I was just telling you about with the, uh, where you get the points, you know, and yes. then 10 in your pool. See, you know? I, I, I'm like you in the sense that I, I don't need a quantifiable rooting interest in, in something. We've talked about that a ton. Yes. But I like the, I like the pool, I like the bracket, because otherwise... I would just simply be rooting for every underdog and I would have no enjoyment in a tournament, especially now that Syracuse isn't in it this year. Every game yeah. would be a heartbreaker. You know I what I mean? I still root for every underdog for the most part. But what I do is I quantify it in my bracket. So, for example, I had all 12 seeds advancing. I had Valparaiso yes. advancing. Um, Valparaiso. But if one of them wins, there's a there's a kind of a payoff to it, um, you know. Since I have no real allegiance to those schools, but this year the the bracket, it, you know, it it was for something that doesn't take a lot of time and effort. It had caused me a lot of anxiety over the years um, because at first it was just it, it was just something. Um, to reconnect with my family when I got back from Curacao. Um, and it was like only six people in, in the first pool. Yeah. But then um, then it was a way to connect with like Angie's friends and family. And they kind of were invited in. And then it became like a challenge. Could I get it up to like a $500 pool? And, you know, yeah. maintain some level of... Um, you know, some level of integrity to it, not just make it some kind of open gambling portal, but like you were in it, BP was in it, my yeah. brother's in-laws were in it. And I don't know, this year I just, uh, I wasn't in the mood, you know? There's a certain festivity that goes around, you know, the March Madness tournament pool. And when, you know, Syracuse uh, got, you know, so self-imposed the ban, I was like, I'm just not excited about March Madness. And, you know, yep. I've been busy and a bunch of other shit's going down that, you know, I can yeah. direct my attention to. So um, 
I was gonna I was gonna bag it, but I had two requests internally um, from uh, from the DeSantis family headquarters that prompted me to to kind of um, do it, and it just it kind of got fucked up from uh, from Jump Street. Uh, Josh, who requested that it be a narrower field, ended up not even putting in a bracket. Oh, come on, Josh. <laughs> Get your act together, man. And he was always good for... I expect this from Jeremy, <laughs> but not from Josh. <laughs> you know, I mean, the bar for Jeremy is pretty damn low. But for Josh, come on, man. <laughs> Such a Jeremy move. I can't believe that. <laughs> I think um, there was a couple factors at play, and, and I haven't talked to, to to Josh, but I think there's a couple. Well, why would you at this point? <laughs> Apparently, there's some type of cold war going on. <laughs> some type of power play. Yeah, his DeSantis family feud is in full effect. <laughs> uh, I think he took the the Syracuse ban um, pretty hard, which. Um, I'm going to put a footnote on that because uh, I've got a bone of contention with him when it comes to his Syracuse allegiance. Uh, the, oh yeah. The other was his. Um, the other was his um, hatred for the University of Kentucky. He went down to Moorhead State for his undergrad and made enemies amongst his friends. Because when you're from Kentucky, it doesn't matter what school you go to, you still root. For yeah, I mean, that's like all the people, like at UNO, University of New Orleans, like all those people are rooting for LSU. Right. I remember going to a game years ago when they played LSU in basketball and they actually ended up winning the game, you know, like 10 or 12 years ago. And the UNO students are rooting for LSU, you know? Right, right. And um, every year he, he writes this, and I don't know if he does it anymore, but he used to copy me on it up until a couple years ago. He writes a letter to all his fraternity brothers and friends, or email at this point, um, when Kentucky loses, and he kind of goes on this uh, finger-pointing diatribe um, that gets them all riled up. So I think those two uh, factors... He just goes to rile up the, all those Kentucky fans. Exactly, friends. exactly. Because they were looking... Um, as prohibitive favorites this year. I think that might have dissuaded him. Plus, he's got a bunch of other stuff going on. He got a new job, and his family's going to... Um, spoiler alert, in case he's listening to this in the car uh, with his children. Um, they're going on a surprise visit to Disney World uh, in a couple weeks. So, um, you know, he had a bunch of shit going on. So that is... Um, yeah, that's why he gets a reprieve. And I hope you... I hope this... <laughs> I hope this podcast doesn't ruin the surprise. <laughs> well, Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, it's not a surprise to Josh. <laughs> no, but exactly. But when he's riding around the car listening to it, the kids. Spoiler alert, he's taking them on a surprise trip to Disney World. And he's to do it for <laughs> oh, now I understand why the DeSantis family feud is in effect. Undercutting <laughs> um, each other, dirty, low-down, dirty tactics. Terrible. Uh, but the, the footnote on his Syracuse allegiance, um, which I don't remind him of this 
nearly enough, and, and I, was, I was riding around today uh, thinking about it. Um, he was a Syracuse fan way before I was a Syracuse fan. He was like, uh, oh, Josh is is uh, two years younger than I, so he's thirty nine. He's oh, so he's my age. Yeah, he he was born in school ninety four high school. Yep, born in seventy six. Yep, 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 my year. So um, he he goes back to like uh, Pearl Washington. Um, oh damn! You know, I mean, I barely remember shit going on back then. Yeah, he was. I don't know why, but as a little. Well, the kid, thing is, because it was northeastern stuff. That's why I don't really remember all Pearl Washington stuff, really. And he was a, my brother was a pretty big front runner. Yeah. Um, but to this day, he keeps those allegiances. So, um, like, that's what you are. I'm a kid. You're a kid. You're a front runner. Yep. But, of course. Um, so we went up to Syracuse. Uh, I had already graduated. Jeremy might have still been in school or like in his fifth or sixth year or something like that. And Josh and Jeremy drove up and um, we all took a trip back there um, to see Seton Hall play Syracuse at the Dome. Okay. And um, there's a infamous story um, that Mike Vincent tells about Jeremy and we were headed to like Little Gem Diner one night uh, after um, after Gem, we, I love that place. we left Fagan's. Uh, not not only were we just going to Little Gem after we left Fagan's, my brothers had raised the white flag and left after hours to go sleep in the car on Walnut Park. Oh God! While we finished up and those guys cleaned up, and then we went to Little Gem. We picked them up. In at Walnut Park, and there was a debate on who should sit shotgun, and Jeremy lost. And somewhere between Walnut Park and Little Jim, uh, Jeremy declares, "All I'm saying is I should have got shotgun." And then he proceeds to vomit all over the back seat. Of, actually, he didn't vomit on the back seat of the car. He, he puked on himself. Uh, and uh, that's his, and that's why he's saying he should have had shotgun. He should have had shotgun. But that was the first and only time he's ever met Mike Vincent. So that's Mike Vincent's story, you know. Yeah, it's the should have had shotgun story. But during the course of the of the day, we ended up hanging out. It was me, Guy, Ben, Klaus, and my brothers, and we ended up hanging out at Harry's uh, watching the game. And for some, I know for some, I know why. It wasn't for some reason. It was because Klaus was so fucking annoying that Josh um, began openly rooting for Seton Hall and taunting Klaus. Oh, y'all didn't go, y'all didn't actually go to the game. No, no. All right, y'all watching it at Harry's. Yeah, we were going to get tickets while we were up there, but then decided that, you know, we were just going to watch in the bar or whatever. Yeah, So that makes sense. So... Klaus is being Klaus and, and, and getting under um, people's skin. Hey, mom. <laughs> and Josh, I don't know why, but decided that that was it. That, that was the, the line in the sand. And, and he, uh, he, he gave in his uh, Syracuse orange rooting card and decided to, to root for Seton Hall that day. So... That's what happens when Jersey claps. <laughs> and I can't believe it. We're brothers of the shore, man. We're brothers of yeah. the shore. 
<laughs> when <Something>. Jersey clashes. <laughs> so that's it. That's the uh, that's the inner workings of uh, of the Santa family um, bracket tournament pool. Okay. Um, I think next year. I think it's it's there's a there's a huge overhaul. I think um, see, my mom really loves it. She gets really into it. Um, yeah. And then how many people are in it this year? This year it's twelve. So what we're gonna do is, um, and I'll send out an email in a little bit. It'll I think it'll be a hundred bucks for the winner, twenty bucks for second place. All right. Fair enough, right? Yeah, especially when a three-year-old wins it. Right. <laughs> they can buy lots of crap with that. She, Whatever um, three-year-olds like to buy. She is somewhere in the top two or three. She was leading after a few days. Well, this is totally a tournament where some somebody that doesn't have any fucking clue what they're doing would win. Right. Right. Especially in I, this pool where you get bonuses for underdogs. Yeah, because they don't know what the numbers mean. They have no clue what reputations of any of these schools are, you know? I'm pretty sure she picks them by mascot. Yeah, yeah, just like girls pick by the color of the uniform and shit like that, yes. Right. But, um, yeah, I don't care. Like, yesterday at lunch, it's when that, you know, the Notre Dame-Northeastern game was coming in, and I was like, yeah, I picked Notre Dame to win, but I would love to see Northeastern beat them i don't care and then that iowa state uab game was on i was like i picked iowa state but i'd love to see uab win and uab won and then of course there was the uh the baylor game versus georgia state which i didn't pick and of course georgia state won but that was still awesome i will forsake a friggin bracket to watch you know the big favorites lose well uh, I'm with you on that. Even I, I, ne- I, I, I will, I will often root against my bracket if I get myself caught up in a game that you know ends up catching my interest. Like for example, I don't have, um, I have Oklahoma beating Albany, of course, you know. Yeah. But I actually had Albany beating Oklahoma just to give some kind of love to, uh, you know. The central, upstate central New York area. <laughs> I also had Buffalo winning, which they almost yeah, did. Yeah, I had Buffalo winning as well. Um, you know what I'm torn at? Torn. Um, what, what, you know how I'm torn this year? Is that I don't know what to do with ACC teams. I don't know what to do with the old Big East teams. I don't know what to do with the current Big East teams. Yeah. You know, at least there was a rooting interest for fellow conference members, regardless of how much you hated them. Yeah. You know, you always wanted to see three or four Big East teams in the Final Four. Or th- yeah. three, three, of, three Big East teams in the Final Four, you know? But yeah. like now it's just kind of like, well, I'm not going to root. I'm not going to root for Georgetown either way, but before, I didn't necessarily want to see him lose. Yeah, they freaking went out one this year. But, they finally got off the schneid yeah. of beating teams they should of losing the teams they should lose to. You know, Villanova's <laughs> another one like, should I just not care anymore? Yeah. I, get, I don't know. But then that, I wouldn't mind seeing them do all right. I wouldn't mind seeing St. John's do all right. 
But then, then Georgetown, I could give a fuck about. According to that logic, then do I care what North Carolina does? Do I have to care what Duke does? Right? I know Duke. No, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know what? I never want to see UConn in the Final Four. Fuck them. (laughs) Yeah. No, 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 I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Um, But like, I don't even care about NC State. Like, it literally Maryland. I can't. Stand Maryland. Yeah, they're not even the ACC anymore. I really was hoping they were going to lose today. Oh, that's right. They're in the Big Ten. Yeah, but Valpo, I think that Valpo did some stupid stuff there at the end. And, and Wofford, did did you see Wofford's game last night against Arkansas? Oh, I fell asleep. I was listening to it. They they did the same thing that Valpo did today. Last night, Wofford was down by three and got the ball back. They got it with 35 point something seconds left or something like that, you know? Okay. Me, I'm like, run down, make a two, and then foul. Stretch the game out as long as you possibly fucking can. Right. Right? Right. No, they hold the ball, and with like seven seconds left, they shoot a three-pointer. Fortunately, they get the rebound. They're able to shoot another three-pointer, but of course, that doesn't go in. The game ends. (laughs) But it's like, just take it to the... just. You know, you're, why make it come down to basically one shot, you know, when you could, when you have a higher percentage of getting a two-pointer and then false by, it's Arkansas. They probably don't have good free throw shooters. It's Arkansas. Right. You know? <laughs> I'm not sure what that means, but yes, I agree. Well, it means that they're just like, you know. They, they are a decent team, but they're more athletic. They right. don't really have skilled players, right, you know? Right, right, I'm right. sure there's at least one guy on the court who's friggin' hard, just like Syracuse. You know there's always, a, there's always at least two guys on the court that are totally unreliable from the free throw line, no matter how much time's left in the game, <laughs> you know? Right. There's no such thing as putting in a whole team of decent free throw shooters for Syracuse, you right, know? Right, right. So, uh, and then Valpo did the same thing today. They had about 20-something seconds left down by three. And they sat there, and they just dribbled the ball in the backcourt. Then they call a timeout with, like, 13 seconds left. and get the ball in, and they couldn't even get a shot off. You know, the guy swatted the ball, like, uh, made a play on the ball, swatted it from the guy, and they, they never even got a shot off. You know, it's so stupid to me. It's like, go for the friggin' basket. You know, if you don't get it, maybe they follow your guy, you know? Right. I don't know, stretch the game out, you know? I guess maybe that was Wofford's thing, but Valpo had gone inside just before that. Yes, the kid know? got to the foul line, right? And, of course, he missed uh, one of two, and that's another thing. If you're trying to pull an upset, you better be hitting your fucking free throws. You yeah. know, you're, not, you're, you're a low seed. You're not good enough to be blowing free throws. You know, you you shouldn't have guys that can't hit free throws when you're when you're a mid-major program like that. Um, I was listening to. Uh, I tried to cut out all terrestrial radio from um, from my life. I try not to listen to the radio. Sports talk radio drives me crazy. The music stations yep. suck. I'd been downloading a ton of podcasts, but what happened was I finally caught up on all the podcasts that I had downloaded. So, like, I got to wait for them to come out week after week. Um, so that only gives me about six or eight hours of listening material a week. Yeah. Um, and that counts our podcast. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so I found myself listening to some some um, uh, some mild sports talk radio this morning, um, which isn't too offensive. Just a couple guys who 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 don't go too crazy, but they were talking, and their comment um, was that the the basic level of play is not very good in these tournament yeah. games and yeah and, well that's what everybody says but it, that's the commenting the the prevailing commentary on college basketball as a whole but go and on and that's what that's exactly what their their point was now people were calling up and being like you know, up in arms. You guys are crazy. These are the best games. They're the most exciting games. Blah blah blah. I love the college game. Now these two guys lose credibility with me because they're huge NBA fans, which I think is just like I would rather. NBA fans are usually dicks about college basketball. And these guys are exactly that. But their point wasn't college basketball sucks. Their point wasn't March Madness is horrible. It was look at these guys. Like they they turn the ball over a lot and they can't shoot free throws. That was basically what their what the gist of their conversation was. And you know what? They're right. You know, yeah. nobody can hit free throws, especially on that yeah. level. But well, that, that's one of the problems too. All that stuff has suffered because, you know, because of the three pointer and stuff. People don't practice all that stuff. They want to shoot three point shots. You know? Yeah. I think the one and done has a lot to do with that as well. well yeah. They get to develop. You know, I think that's something that you like. You can after a couple of years, you realize how important it is, so you practice it. You know, when you're done, when you're one and done, forget it. Doesn't matter. So, um, but otherwise, I mean, I've been trying to catch. Um, I've been trying to catch some games. I've been busy um, the last two days, uh, and it snowed here today. So Damn. I set aside some time to watch some games this afternoon. But I got caught um, on the parkway. There was a it was an accident because it was snowing. Oh, man. No one was ready for that. It was like 80-something degrees here today. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, was kind of muggy. Uh, first Smart are like, oh, it's, it's more like summer weather right now, not really <laughs> springtime weather. Because today, today was the first, first day, day of spring. spring. You know? uh, I like to cut today. I thought this right as I left work because I watched the, I left work an hour early because I had to go get a haircut. But I watched the end of one of the games right before that. That ended probably like a half hour earlier or something. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, fuck off Friday's done for another year. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I won't be distracted by tuning in. And the thing is, I don't watch the whole game, but I look at the scores. And we, if it's a close game with like a couple of minutes left, I, I hit the thing and watch it on the computer at work. You know? Right, right. <laughs> Right. These are these are probably the two best days of the year. Yep. When I was when I ever tell you that story, I probably did. About in high school, uh Syracuse is up by four with eight seconds left according to the ESPN game tracker. Uh now up by five, so they just hit free throws. They're gonna win this game. Nice. Who's this? The Syracuse ladies. Oh, nice. Well congratulations, uh, ladies. Is gone on the tournament. Uh uh, so anyway, like it was like the first two or three years I, you know, I started my high school in eighth grade, so I was there for five years. First three years, I think it was those. No, first two years, our exam schedule always lined up with the first two days of the tournament, which was good, you know, because you because 
back then, you know, it was like for exam days, you would just go take your exam and you go home. And I see you'd be done with school like at 1030 in the morning or something, you know? Okay. Uh, and Josh, you know, my brother Josh and I, like, uh, he was two years ahead of me and we'd sit at home, you know, we'd, we'd sit up. Sometimes he'd be done earlier than me, you know, and, and I wouldn't get out to like noon or something. I'd come home and we'd sit there and we'd watch the tournament, you know? And that's what we do for two days is watch all the first round games. Well, like my sophomore year, I don't know if the tournament got pushed back a week or if they changed the exam dates, but either the school or the NCAA changed something. But now it was off by a week. And it was like, this sucks because every year we sit home and watch this shit, you know? Right. And now we got in school doing, doing, doing this thing. So... My brother and I are like, Mom, you got to give us, you know, absentee notes or something so that we can sit at home and watch it. And uh, my mom's like, what? You know, she's like, y'all want to be able to sit home from school for two days to watch fucking basketball? <laughs> <laughs> and she asked my dad, he, you know, uh, they want to stay home and watch basketball. My dad's like, yeah, of course, let them do that. <laughs> you know? This only happens once a year. They'll always have school. So we sat at home <laughs> while everybody else was at school <laughs> on the Thursday and Friday for a couple of years. Well, just for his last year it was, but it was from, for my sophomore and junior year. And then senior year, friggin', uh, you know, for English, we, I had to write a term paper. It was like an honors English class. And, like, and the teacher was like, you cannot skip school on this day if you skip school on this day. You know, she was a woman. You know, she had no clue about the tournament. She did, it was just her schedule for the way she was doing the term paper because it was this big paper and you had to do stuff every now, like throughout. You yeah, know, yeah, I know that paper. Yeah, yeah. She's like, if you skip, if you miss school on either one of these days, you're gonna fail the term paper. So, like a schmuck, I was stuck in school having to like gather around the TV and like the radio and TV production studio to watch the game with all the other schmucks who couldn't get, <laughs> who couldn't get uh, absentee slips from their parents to stay at home. <laughs> you know? I was like, this fucking blows, man. Uh, that's good, man. That's good. Now, I never... Um, I, March Madness is... is um, well, the NCAA tournament is uh, definitely a part of my childhood. I, I definitely remember... I, I remember watching um, the Five Slam and Jam. I remember watching the the Georgetown. I remember watching um, the Danny Manning um, Kansas team. I like speaking like a foreigner. What's that? I love to watch the Georgetown. The <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. Um, I don't ever remember. Well, I had perfect attendance in high school, so I definitely didn't skip any days to to watch the tournament. Uh, my brother Chris, my brother Chris, uh, it's a final seventy two sixty nine Syracuse Orange women as ah. they used to be over Nebraska nine seed. Now they will play. I think they're playing South Carolina's the one seed, so that's most likely who they're going to play. And Syracuse should have beat South Carolina earlier this year, so that'll be nice. Now I'm vested in women's basketball since we don't have a men's team to watch. Um, yeah, well, keep me posted on that one. 
Hey, you got to have something to root for, man. Uh, yeah, my brother Chris never missed a day of school from sixth grade through graduation from high school. Yeah. You know, I think his whole lifetime, he probably only missed probably less than five days. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right there. I knew I wasn't going to get any um, any type of ac- academic accolades, so I just decided they gave an award at graduation. If you had perfect attendance, you got recognized at graduation. Uh, oh, okay. It was me and one other kid. Yeah. Yeah, I think they did that there, too. I uh, One year in high school, I went without missing a day. I think it might have been ninth grade. That might have been the only year. I usually, well, of course it was, because then the next year I was missing to watch the tournament. (laughs) (laughs) Ninth grade, I went went the whole year without missing a day. Uh, uh, That's good. That's good. Um, Yeah, I just checked uh, the bookstore website. They do not yet have any uh, second-round commemorative T-shirts for sale. All right, well, that makes sense, because... uh, the ladies playing the carrier dome, I think they draw considerably less than a thousand people per game. <laughs> you know, there must be like a practice in there. What? Um, there's no, I know they tore Manly down, but there's no other. They didn't tear Manly down. Uh, they put, they turned it into a football practice area. And now it's something else. Oh, yeah, but it's not a basketball arena. No, yeah, yeah, you can't yeah, play basketball yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But there's no other. I almost. I'd almost yeah, rather play South Carolina on Sunday night. Play at, six, at seven Eastern. Play at the, play at the Carmelos, the, the practice gym. Yeah. You know, let people yeah, I mean, just crazy. stand around the court. I think at one time they used to play like in a women's building or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it is kind of it is ridiculous. Yeah, the men's team averages twenty three thousand a game, and the women, the women who have been ranked like all season long and actually win, can't even get more than a can't even get more than eight hundred people to have some interest in the team. It's crazy. Too bad, too bad. I think that's uh, more of an indictment on uh, on the fan base than it is on the uh, on the women's team. So. Yeah, I mean, it just might be a bunch of chauvinistic assholes like you, though. But. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine that's fine you, you do your thing hey um <laughs> speaking of uh speaking of chauvinistic assholes um big news coming down from the athletic department this week yes 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 nice segue thank you very much although um in as a matter of full disclosure i have no proof uh or evidence that um dr daryl gross is chauvinistic however I do have first-hand knowledge that he is an asshole. Yes. You have first-hand knowledge? Yeah, I never told you that story. Uh, you probably have, but let's, let's uh, you know. When I worked for the... Um, for the audience. When I worked for the uh, NEC, uh, Wagner is... Um, is yes, on Long Island, right? Is, uh, Staten Island. Staten Island, okay. And um, they are on the NIT preseason NIT committee. The, and the preseason NIT is run by like five New York schools. Yeah, um, I assume St. John's must be one of them. St. Huh? John's is one of them. Um, yeah. And Wagner, for some reason, happens to be one of them. And I think all the boroughs are represented or something along those lines. So 
Okay. Uh, they um, they always sent over tickets to the to the NEC offices, and I think um, I think Syracuse. I forget who they were playing, but they had one particular year. They had, they were playing in the preseason NIT yes. finals, and I had uh, second row seats behind the Syracuse bench, directly behind Dr. Daryl Gross. So this is um, probably 2006 was my last okay. year at the NEC, and that would have been like his first or second full year as AD, right? Yeah, he was. He was officially introduced in December 2004. Okay. And so 2005, so spring semester, then 2005, 2006. Yeah, so it would have been the basketball season. 2006, 2007, right? uh, No, it was probably the basketball season of 05, 06. Because I left the NEC in 06. Oh, okay. So, So we're talking winter 05. Yeah. Yep. Fall 05, whatever. November 05, whenever the hell they play the yep. around Thanksgiving, the finals are usually played, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I sat um, directly behind him. My seat was directly behind him. And um, I realized very quickly what an asshole he was. And then he was sitting there with, um, <clears throat> with one of his cronies. And inside of Madison Square Garden, um, that's St. That's John's home court. Yeah, and they played, they played a preview or a public service announcement or something, and it had like Louis Carnesecca, um, and some type of of you know quick cut video of St. John's basketball, something very, you know, really upbeat and, and way above uh, St. John's level at that point. They'd kind of tailed off for a while, and it was the end of it was like. You know, St. John's, New York basketball, the way it was meant to be, or something like that. And yeah. the guy looks at Daryl Gross and goes, huh, how do you like that? <laughs> St. John's <laughs> claiming to be New York's team. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at him and, and Gross goes, yeah, can you believe it? This is my town. And I was like, are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? This is me? my town. What an asshole. And I never, and he also had on a um, humongous double Windsor knot. Oh, yeah, he always. That's his, like, signature, you know? And uh, to me, that's just, that's a pompous knot. Yeah. You know? Like, double Windsor. Yeah. And mostly short people wear it because. Well, because the ties are too long for him. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. why. And it just I never liked his vibe. And that was before I knew or had paid attention to any of the branding or the messaging or, you know, that that's only a year into his tenure and he's already, you know, adopting that strong of a stance. Um, so, you know, I didn't like him from Jump Street. And, and yeah. that's superficial, you know. Like, he was on Jump Street? <laughs> uh, uh, is that who Holly Robinson is? <laughs> it was Daryl Gross. <laughs> he just rubbed me the wrong way early on, and and he just wasn't my kind of guy. He wasn't my type of of AD. No, he's a screw Daryl Gross. Yeah, man. screw Daryl Gross. 
He's all friggin' flash, all style, no substance. He, um, did you read, uh, I'm sure you did, because you're on top of this stuff. Uh, I haven't really read anything about it. There was a few things that I've seen, but Noon's Magician had a, a recap of um, his state of the athletic department address. I didn't read that thing, but I did read what he was, you know, about his ideas, about, well, I did this, this, and this, you know, about all his accomplishments. And that first article, when he first stepped down that morning, when it all hit the fan. So apparently he went on kind of a post-mortem of, um, of radio talk shows like the day or two after and, um, yeah, trying to defend his legacy. Yeah, essentially. And, and the Noons Magician headline is, Daryl Gross says Daryl Gross decided to step down, according to Daryl Gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And essentially that's what it is, you know. It's, yeah. It's one egomaniac's account of, of, of his own legacy and, and all the great that he did and that it was time for him to step down. So. Well, I mean, people that like Fat Pat, who get offended or whatever, that he's not really stepping down. It's like, well, that's all contractual bullshit, I'm sure. You know, if they keep him there and reassign him, they don't need to give him some ridiculous buyout. Yeah, and listen, it allows everybody to save face. His wife still works there, yes. I believe, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. The question, though, is who comes in because... Clearly, you know, bringing, well, first of all, first of all, we, we deserve what we got with Daryl Gross because um, he was exactly as advertised. He was part of the, uh, of the, of the Pete Carroll administration at USC. So like. Yeah, he was responsible for Pete Carroll getting hired at USC. Yeah. Yeah, so like it should have come as no surprise that this would eventually been, you know, where we ended up. But like he was so far an outsider that yeah, you know, that I don't think he ever stood a chance. At least not with me, because you know, the I don't know. There's just something about that central New York area that you have to get in order to be effective there because it's not just about alumni it's not just about um the major market it's not just about the student but it's about the community up there yeah well another thing is for all the shit that he did do which we will give him credit for like getting us better in all these olympic sports which is one of the goals you know basically you know Small, minor sports, non-revenue. Yep, yep. Shit. Mm-hmm. Which he did do. Uh, he, was, he was brought in there to fix football, and he never did fix football. Right. You know, like, like all people like, oh, well, football is fine for Pescaloni. No, Pescaloni was there five years too long. You know? Pescaloni had already overstayed his welcome. But that guy was supposed to come in there and fix it, and what did he do? He hired Greg Robinson right away. You know, like that was a masterstroke, and 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 the program's basically been fucked since. You know, right. So for that reason alone, fuck him. 
You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're definitely going to get somebody who is football-centric, though. That there's no, I mean, you need to. It's the way. It's the way of the world right now. You know, if you're if you plan on being a big-time college athletic program, you need to have somebody who knows about football. Well, Noon's Magician has a couple of um, a couple of candidates, and according to that rationale, which I think is is. Um, is really sound and solid. I think it probably eliminates a couple of the more qualified candidates. Um, John Hart. Who does he have from there? He's got uh, John Hart, the director of athletics for Bucknell. He's got okay. uh, Scott Barnes, the vice president of athletics for Utah State. He's got Brian Wickstrom, director of athletics for UL Monroe. And uh, Tommy McLellan, director of athletics for Louisiana Tech. Now, there's two um, candidates who are sitting athletic directors who might fit that mold. Uh, Kevin Anderson of Maryland and Ward Manuel of Connecticut. But one, I don't see a Connecticut AD uh, making the move to Syracuse from either direction. And Who was the one you said before, Ward Manuel? Kevin Anderson from Maryland. Yeah, Ward Manuel is a New Orleans native, actually. He played football at Michigan. Oh, he did? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. All right, well, that's interesting. Where I think some of the, um, some of the candidates, according to your um, rationale, um, are are senior associate athletic directors who are coming from major institutions. Um, Chris Kennedy is the senior deputy director of athletics for Duke. Okay. Um, Chrissy Rowick, who is the senior associate athletic director for development at Michigan. Uh, I don't necessarily see somebody who's in charge of the financial or business side of an athletic department as a strong candidate for an athletic director at a university like Syracuse. I think um, somebody who is more of operationally minded, somebody who is more athletically minded. um, Yeah, but they all have to be able to raise money now. which Which is why I don't think you need a specialist. Yeah. It's ingrained in the job description to begin with. Um, Carla Williams, who is the de- deputy, uh, deputy director of athletics at uh, Georgia. Uh, Julie Venata, who is the senior associate athletic director at Ohio State. And then Michelle Williams, um, who is the deputy director of athletics at Ohio State. So, uh, you know, from a school profile, you know, I think that those, those last couple names are probably um, the most viable. Yeah. Most attractive. Yeah, of course, we might not know anything because they'll probably just go hire some search firm. Right. Well, exactly. That's exactly all these friggin' they do for these uh, coaches and what's whatnot now because they want to take it out of their hands so they can't be blamed for it. So they'll hire a search firm to, right. to look for coaches. Right. So, listen, I hope we get a good. Uh... Oh, we get a good idea. I think that's important because... Yeah, and then, of course, the other side of it is that they claim Mike Hopkins was coaching, waiting, and, of course, you know, 
nobody's any more solid on that anymore, you know, because, you know, A, we're going to have a new athletic director. The chancellor's new. You know, usually athletic directors like to hire their own people. You know, so there's no, there's no slam dunk that Mike Hopkins will be the next coach. You know? Right. I mean, I, I mean, even a couple of, like a year ago, I even thought I wouldn't be surprised somehow Jerry McNamara became the coach. You know, I didn't know how long Bayheim was going to be around, but, you know, that wouldn't surprise me. He's so young, you know, basically he'd be like around what Bayheim was when Bayheim became head coach. Yeah. I, um, I guess Bayheim was, yeah, Bayheim was in his early thirties when he became coach. The, um, the talk of the town. And I think, um, guy had gotten this from somebody, um, they the rumor within tight circles was that when Krautheim was retiring, that Bayheim yeah. was the was the logical candidate to become AD. And at the time, which was ten years ago, I thought that was an awesome move and yeah. an awesome um, transition for him and the university. But obviously, he wasn't done coaching. Um, and he still had, you know, uh, enough to accomplish. But um, obviously that's not going to happen. That's not on no. the table anymore. So, um, which is too bad because I think in terms of fundraising, in terms of, of keeping the athletic department in, 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 prom- in uh, you know, in some sort of national prominence, I think he could have done a good job. He would have needed a good s- staff beneath yeah. him. But um, it doesn't. You don't need to be flashy on the, you know, on the associate level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He. Um, I never got to listen to his actual press conference, but I read, you know, the the accounts of him, of of what he said. And the, the most interesting thing I took from there was he said that he actually would have been ready to walk away after the 2013 Final Four because it would have been a good time to walk away, but the problem was they were in the middle of the NCAA investigation. He couldn't leave while that was going on. Okay. You know? Right. Because everybody's like, well, now he's staying because of this. You know, he's like, well, I would have walked away. It would have been the right time to walk away, but the problem is the shit was going on, and you can't leave while all that's gone on because, you know, he would have left the program in a shambles. You know, right? It would have totally been screwed up. Yeah, it's a no-win situation, you know. Yeah, and then he got, you know, he he's like, he took it as a personal attack because he's like, look at the football team. Basically, everything they allege we did is the same. You know, the football team had the same allegations against them. What? Why am I being punished like this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's. He, uh, I kind of understand him there, and I mean, I don't know the NCAA, and that's basically the point of what that guy Nocera wrote was the NCAA's petty, and they're even though they're making a mountain out of a molehill, you know, he's like, I don't carry any water for Jim Beheim, but he's like, they're making a mountain out of a molehill, and they're just hammering him just to prove they can hammer him. You yeah, know? that's really what it came down to. Yeah, and he even kind of mocks like, you know. 
he says something about, oh, people saying, oh, he should step down or whatever. Kind of mocking like people like Pat Forty, who right away is like, oh, Jim Beheim's an embarrassment, you know? I don't know. The, um, I didn't read that article, but that, you know, that kind of drum beating is, is totally ridiculous. Because yeah. in the scope of, of um, coaching, um, I think it's malfeasance. Um, yes. I think it's probably the, a good characteristic. This, it's not even that big of a deal. Well, that's, like, this guy's, like, over a course of 10 years, they want to call it systematic 10 years of cheating. He's, like, over a course of 10 years, <laughs> there were a couple instances of academic fraud alleged. He's like, every year, that's what this Nocera guy's saying, every year in Syracuse University's campus alone, there's so many hundreds of cases of academic fraud. You know? Right. Like, they're like, he's like, it's really not there, what they're claiming. You know? He's like, he's like when they found out about this shit, they fired the people that did it, you know? Like, the, he's like, they're just punishing, they're just trying to, trying to show what they can do, you know? And what pisses me off about the media take on Jim Beheim is this. All those same assholes are the ones poo-pooing the NCAA every time a kid's, like, not allowed to get locks on his bagel or some shit, you know? <laughs> but when the NCAA issues a punishment, they're all so happy to carry the NCAA's water. Right. You notice that? Yep. They all want to sit there in bed, like dead spin, which I read all the time. They're always like death to the NCAA. But then the Jim Beheim shit comes down because they don't like Jim Beheim. They can't do enough but shit on Jim Beheim. Yeah. Like, look how bad he is. It's like, you're the same people that say the NCAA sucks. You know, now, now when they punish, you're sure everything there is cool with that? You know, you can't have it both ways, in my opinion. No, it's a joke. And, and the people that, <clears throat> that are calling for Beheim's head um, are... They're, they're absolute assholes. The guy here, um, we've talked about him before, Craig Carton. Yes. He graduated from, from Newhouse a couple years ahead of me. Um, he, does, he does the morning show here in New York with Boomer uh, Esiason. Yeah. And yeah. he was railing yeah, yeah. this morning on something about Bayheim And um, his point or his, in his own defense, he was saying... I didn't, I'm not new to this bandwagon. I've been calling for his head since the Bernie Fine stuff. And when he came out, you know, he attacked the, the victims and he attacked the press. Uh, in that instance, I, you know, I lost, he lost credibility in my eyes. And as a, an alumni um, and a board member of whatever he sits on at the university, he's like, I want, yeah. I want him out. I want his, you know, I want him gone. But that, that whole, Bernie Fine thing was also bullshit. Yes, yes. Because those, those um, accusers were, were put together by the media. Yeah, yep. They corroborated their stories offline and then delivered the accounts on a silver platter for... Well, because ESPN was trying to get a story exactly. they fucked up the Penn State thing. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, Bernie Fine sounds like a scumbag for one, but the shit never would have, you know, they went out and sought the people to build the story. Yeah. Ridiculous. You know? I mean, I don't want Bernie Fine 
watching my kids, but still. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, it's just a joke. And, you know, I never, I, I never minded our, our, I don't know, what, what would you call, we're not, our reputation isn't, certainly isn't soiled, but it's not sterling. Yeah. You know, we, we're the, we're the kind of school that, you know, at the same time can have the number one communication school in the nation, but also be a number one party school. Um, our, our basketball team can have a national championship, but also have, uh, you know, an, a, an, an air of scandal behind it. And, and it's just, it's, it's okay. There's a dichotomy that exists in the community that I think is just, is just part and parcel for being um, an orange, you know? Yeah. But, um, I don't know, this kind of lets me rally behind a cause that I've, I didn't need to rally behind before. I was like, yeah. well, okay, whatever. Well, listen, you have your opinion, I have my opinion, that's fine. Now, I kind of find myself at odds with anybody who's got an opposite opinion or, you know, an opposite vantage point of mine. It's yeah. must, it must be what it's like to be like an Alabama fan. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're either you're either for us or you're against us. There's no there's no yeah, ignoring us. You know. So fuck them. Yeah, I mean, and and let me get away because it's not even just um, it's not even simply just the friggin' damn dead spin because they're they are blog whatever but it's like people that write for legitimate publications that are all saying the same you know bullshit you know oh fire them you know get rid of them time to step down is now you know fuck you you know yeah i think that's i think they're even worse i think yeah. i think the legitimate quote-unquote legitimate media is um is even worse because they are supposed to be legitimate. Yeah, exactly. I, but the thing is, they're all just trying to, they're all trying to be edgy. They're all trying to get people to, to read, you know, to get hits on whatever website they're on, you know, to be the next uh, article that's being retweeted out. You know, they're all, uh, I mean, just like newspapers have always been in the business of selling newspapers, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's what William Randolph first was. You know, so I take it with a grain of salt what a lot of what a lot of these people say often when they're all saying the same damn thing. You know, because it's like each guy's trying to outdo the next one. You know. <laughs> so we were talking about um, as we were talking about um, you know uh, the um, you know the level of punishment or whatnot, and how appropriate it was. While we were talking, I was googling um, Baylor. Because I couldn't remember the coach's name behind Dave Bliss. the the scandal, and yeah. you had a player uh, kill another player. Yeah, and covered yeah. it up. Yes, you know what he's doing now? Uh, a preacher, I bet. He is a high school boys basketball coach. Okay, I think he was also doing some kind of preaching bullshit on the side as well. Because that was the thing why Baylor brought him there. Because Baylor's a religious school, right? And he, you know, he'd been the coach like in New Mexico. I think he might coach SMU at one time. Okay. Like in the early 80s. And then he was coaching New Mexico like when Luke Longley was there. 
But I think one of the reasons he was brought to Baylor was because of his religious convictions. Okay. You know? Okay. Which really kills me, you know? This whole idea that he was this virtuous guy, you know? And he's helping cover... He's helping... The guy's name was... Was it... What was his name? Denny or something? The uh, guy that killed him? Dennehy. Dennehy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's helping... That dude uh, advising that guy on how to cover up the murder. <laughs> yeah, it's a real God-fearing man. <laughs> um, I can't believe that he then got a job coaching high school kids. Yeah. But uh, it also has been reported uh, that he's broken the uh, Texas Athletic uh, um, Procule Private School uh, athletic league rules by illegal recruiting potential players from other schools, including two senior transfers from Houston, currently on the team. So, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. But people have short memories. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess there's always a place for you if you can win basketball games. That's how it goes. Yeah. Um, speaking of basketball games, I... Um, I got uh, one more uh, basketball game in me tonight before I got to hit the uh, hit the sack. I'm headed into the uh, city tomorrow to um, do a location scout for the Lung Force American Lung Association Lung Force Walk uh, Stair Climb or something like that. So I got to get okay. up at five thirty uh, so I can be in the city by seven thirty to. Uh, well, let's cover one more thing now. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, B.J. Johnson and Ron Bus Patterson announced they were transferring yesterday too. Oh, that's what uh, I saw an email saying that the the yeah, floodgates are open. Text, yeah. Uh, Pat sent a text message. They sent another one day, but I directly addressed Pat today because you know I figured there was people on that you know like BP or whatever not even respond. And I was like, if people aren't responding, they're probably getting annoyed by seeing the text messages. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, very considerate of you. Very considerate. Yeah, of you. <laughs> but, you know that was something I was talking about Pat like first, but he's like, oh, but he's only moving to the, you know, he's still there. You know, it's like, yeah, but he's out. That's contractual. And then he's like, oh, the floodgates open. It's like, no, that's actually a good thing when they're tr- because for one, they definitely need to clear out one scholarship for this Bryant kid who they're trying to recruit. Right. He, Thomas Bryant. So when B.J. Johnson announced he was going, I was like, oh, that's not a shock there. Bayhams probably pushing him out of the door or something, nudging him out. Yeah. Because all year long they were talking about how are they going to make room? Is somebody going to transfer? What's going to go on, you know? And inconveniently that guy announces he's going to transfer. Well, then Patterson, you know, a few minutes later comes out that Patterson was going to transfer. Well, I think the D.O. or one of the people there spoke to Patterson's father and his his thing was a he wanted to get closer to home, which is in Indianapolis, you know. So he'll be transferred to a school down there, most likely. He was also good friends with B.J. Johnson, uh, and then you know he claimed that the sanctions had something to do with it. But then later on, I saw a thing where his dad also said that uh, one of the reasons Patterson wanted to leave was because of the recruiting class that was coming in next year. That he wasn't going to play. Yeah, that he was going to be stuck on the bench still. Yeah. You know? 
So and I'm sure that had something to do with B.J. Johnson, too, you know? The idea that, you know, uh, Beheim probably sat those guys down, talked to them, you know, if you want to. You know, it's up to you. You can stay here or what. But we're having guys come in. You might not necessarily be getting as much playing time as you think you deserve at this point, you know? Yeah, which, listen, I, I think that's the responsibility of a coach. Yeah. He made a promise to kids, you know, three, four, five years ago, whenever it was. Um, and they came in and those situations have changed. And I think coaches owe it to those players to address that, you know, quite frankly, yeah. he's, he's not saying I'm revoking your scholarship necessarily. No. He's saying, listen, it's not going to be what it was supposed to be for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I'll, and I'll let you out of the scholarship. I mean, Patterson played a little better. Uh, B.J. Johnson started hitting shots near the end of the season, but nothing for nothing. They they didn't nearly – they haven't nearly shown what they should have been shown by this point, you and, know? And I'll tell you what, I I don't know where where um, Johnson's from, um, but – oh, uh, it doesn't say. But um, what I think both of these guys are going to benefit from – is having to sit out of you because neither one of them are 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 NBA ready players. No, of course not. They sit out a year. They'll have that fifth year of eligibility. They might they might technically be able to get a transfer without sitting out a year just because Syracuse is technically on probation. Uh, that's a that's a possibility? Question mark. I, I mean, I know normally when a team's like on probation, you can get a waiver. Oh, you know? okay. You need a waiver. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah okay, well, you that don't makes have to sense. Sit out here. Right. I'm saying, even though we're we're allowed to play in the postseason next year, they might still allow that waiver. Right. Right. You know, since we technically are on probation. Well, I'll tell you what. If if uh, you know, if he if if a kid like um, Patterson is going back. Home, maybe he goes to a school like, um, I don't know, maybe he goes to a school like Purdue or a school like IUPUI. Butler. What's that? Butler. Butler, exactly. It's and Indianapolis it, itself, you know. And, you know, he would play there. Um, yeah. You know, Johnson takes a step down and goes to like a, a CAA school or uh, an Atlantic 10 school or something along those lines. I think he plays. I think he, you know, they have good, you know, a final two years. I think they get to, you know, on the right team, they could make a difference, get to the NCAA yeah. tournament, and, and kind of realize some of the things that they never got to realize while at Syracuse. So, good for those guys. Yeah, yeah. Because, listen, to be honest, they didn't have much of an impact when they were, they were here. They were, you know, mildly touted freshmen. Um, I mean, Johnson was supposed to be a shooter. And he didn't start shooting until the end of this, the last two games of the season or whatever. Yeah. I think both of those guys, when you, when you saw them, you realized they were in a little over their heads. You know, yeah. they didn't get the system. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, Roberson is staying, as far as we know, and he started playing a lot better yeah. in the second part of the season, you know? So, I don't know. Team should be all right next year. Let's hope so, because this is not a fun um, tournament. Nope. B.J. Johnson's from Philly. Okay. 
right, maybe so, he'll transfer transfer to like an A ten school yeah, or like a Drexel. Temple or something yeah. like that, like in the AAC or whatever. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Probably. Temple Drexel, something like that. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably something out there. Be way. a good fit for a player of his uh, caliber. There's only fifty schools there. So. <laughs> fifty schools with like two thousand people in each one. <laughs> Like all those Northeastern colleges, you know? <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, then on that note, man, good stuff. Um, we will um, go watch a little more basketball and uh, call it a night. Yeah, I mean, we got this compelling St. John's San Diego State game on, which seems like it's a close game right now, but it's like it is hectic, run up and down, back and forth, sloppy, fun basketball. <laughs> Uh, so we can watch that for tonight. All right, well, then on that note, with apologies to Girk's brother, we'll see you guys next week. Night, Fredo. Uh.